Hello friends and happy October. Fall has arrived here at Gritting Glitter. It's rainy, the trees are bright orange and shedding their leaves. And it's finally cool. It was hot last week. It was like 28 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I apologize. I am Canadian. But it was hot. And we took the air conditioner out a month ago. Like fools. But it's getting it's getting there. It's getting into fall. It's getting nice and crisp out in the air. And it's Thanksgiving here in Canada. Canadian Thanksgiving, the second Monday of every October is Canadian Thanksgiving. And I think Em and I talked about this a couple years ago on the pod, but uh, it doesn't celebrate anything, you know? There's no, uh, there's no story, there's no pilgrims, there's no ships, there's no uh, smallpox blankets. It's literally just, we saw that you had this holiday where you uh, saw your friends and family and ate a lot of food and you didn't have to buy anybody any presents. And we thought that is pretty sweet. That's a fun idea. What if we did that? And then we did it. Why the second Monday in October? I don't know, but that's what it is. I kind of like it, I guess. I don't know. You know, your media and TV and movies brainwash me into thinking that it should be closer to Christmas, but I like that it's spaced out a bit. You know, we get to see our family now while it's fallout and it's uh, nice and beautiful. And then we will uh, take November off and just shop and prep and plan for Christmas for Christmas and then see your family again at Christmas like you know you get a breather you get two months that's it yeah so it's Canadian Thanksgiving here at Grit and Glitter well that was embarrassing I'm recording outside on the sidewalk in the rain for the ambiance and I didn't see somebody snuck up on me she walked past me with her rain with her uh, little raincoat and umbrella and uh, that's the most embarrassing most embarrassed I've ever been recording this podcast. Whew. It's like 10 o'clock at night and dark out. I didn't think I'd run into anybody. Oh, well. So it is Canadian Thanksgiving here at Grid and Glitter. This week, a bunch of the Glitterati are checking in with some different things. I think I am going to find something to watch myself to celebrate the holiday and the weekend off and celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. Eat some pie, eat some tofurkey, visit with my family. And before I throw it to the theme song, I, I guess I should say thanks. Thank you to Sushi Backpack for a killer theme song. We don't thank them enough. They wrote and recorded the theme song. Check out Sushi Backpack on Bandcamp. They have a couple of EPs. It's great stuff. And they're wrestling fans. Thank you to... M. Fear, my co-host, whom I could not do this podcast without. I would not have started this podcast without her, and I legitimately could not have found a better partner to do this with. Somebody who gets me, somebody who understands my humor, who embraces all of my funny and weird and dumb ideas, and who is just the most supportive and wonderful person that I know. Thank you to M. Thank you to you for listening always always and thank you to the glitterati for being there by our side let's go to the theme song and let's visit with some of the glitterati right now checking in with you and I don't know about anyone else but this has been a tremendously busy fall I have feel like I've had very little time to stop and slow down and not in a bad way just any things are happening way which sadly means that I haven't had a lot of time for watching wrestling in the past month or so. Um, a couple live shows, got to go to the Steel Stack Smackdown Part 2 a couple weeks ago, and that 
was pretty incredible, especially getting a surprise uh, Swamp Monster slash Chucky e. T. So that was a pretty sweet event. Um, and I'll, there's a Halloween hangout. I'm going to go if there's anything else going on this fall or winter with LVAC. I'm definitely going to try to be there. But otherwise, catching a couple televised wrestling things here and there, a couple matches here and there where I can. It's really just been a lot of music in my life. Um, I'm very fortunate that Radlands is working on the demos for our next album. We're recording a full length uh, as soon as we can, hopefully this winter. So we're working on the demo process of that right now. Let's see. I've got a lot in the works when it comes to film and scoring and composing in that way and there's still a little bit that needs to be ironed out before I can really share everything that's been happening to the world but I'm uh, my scoring partner and I are in the middle of actually we're wrapping up a, a feature length film that we have scored and are doing the sound editing and mixing on and once that is out into the world, we can put the finishing touches on some business stuff in the back end. And then you'll be able to finally know what's been cooking for the last almost two years uh, while I've been slowly building up another musical uh, set of skills and setting up a little something for myself going forward there. Which brings me to the other thing that's taking up so much of my time and in the best way this fall, which is LVGR, LV, uh, Lehigh Valley Girls Rock, our band factory fundraiser is happening now. And to give you a brief rundown, the band factory is uh, kind of like a battle of the bands meets a 5k. Everyone who is participating in the program is forming brand new bands. And as, uh, as bands were responsible for writing about 10 to 12 minutes of music and we'll be performing it at a show in November. And all the while, while we are writing music and preparing for the show, we're also fundraising for LVGR and specifically for our youth camp, uh, which is open to any uh, youth of marginalized gender between ages 10 to 17. So we have cis girls, we have trans girls, we have trans men, we have non-binary campers, and it's such a vital resource for young queer youth in the Lehigh Valley. And it's, you know, an empowerment organization before it's a music organization. So really this is their space to express themselves, figure out who they are, learn how to negotiate and collaborate with others, learn how to, you know, build something for themselves. And, you know, we adults are just there to to make sure everything stays on course and impart a couple of skills along the way. Anyway, I'm doing this amazing fundraiser for this organization called The Band Factory, uh, as I was saying. And my band, The Scullies, uh, is is raising money. We're trying to raise money for LVGR. So if you are on Instagram and you want to go to the Scullies underscore LV, that's Scully like Dana Scully from The X-Files, duh. Um, the Scully's underscore LV on Instagram. You can kind of follow along with our fundraising efforts. The link to our Mighty Cause page is on there. And if you go to the Cheap Pop Twitter, uh, which is at Cheap Pop as a band, I've been posting about that a bunch recently. So really beyond work and beyond some of my musical projects, this LVGR Band Factory fundraiser is really everything to me this fall. So that being said, if you have a couple of dollars to spare, please donate to the Scully's Mighty Cause uh, Fund. It is going towards a wonderful organization to empower queer youth. Uh, if you don't have the money, because I know things are tight right now, just give a share of the Mighty Cause page. Talk to people about the Scullies and what we're doing. It would be so incredible to have your support in this way for the next couple of weeks, for the next month and a half or so. And with that, that's what's going on in my life right now, everybody. It's a lot of music. It's a lot of uh, creativity and some fun things coming around the corner in the next couple of months. And hopefully, once I'm through all that, I'll be able to get some more wrestling back into my life. But for now, I'll take what small doses that I can.
I said that I would watch something to talk about on this week's episode, and in honor of Thanksgiving, you know what? I'm going to give back, and I'm going to give thanks to my roots, because prior to Grit and Glitter, prior to Talking Honor, the ROH podcast that Em and I hosted, the very first wrestling podcast that I ever did was for the Pro Wrestling Torch. It was a round table weekly show called the PWT Talks NXT. It was me, Kelly Wells, Tom Staub, and Justin James. We would watch that week's episode of NXT and we would talk about it. NXT was my life at the time. This was about 2018, I want to say. It's my favorite wrestling show going. I was obsessed. I'd watched every single episode from day one. I kept stats on every single thing. I was so pumped and hyped for every single takeover. It was racing going. And I left PWT Talks NXT in part because it just became a lot doing so many podcasts. I left them, you know, largely to focus more on grid and glitter. And we've stayed friends with all those guys, obviously, because it was on the show two weeks ago. And I kept watching NXT. My interest started to wane a little when I went to two hours. That was a lot of commitment for me. For me, the one hour weekly format is like the ideal wrestling show format. One hour, three matches, bunch of promos, vignettes, backstage segments. That's my ideal wrestling show. Two hours was a lot to stay caught up with. So my interest started to wane then, but I still watched regularly. I still checked in. I just skimmed through some matches, things like that. It was shortly before the pandemic when I stopped watching NXT altogether. And I feel like it was maybe just they stopped calling people up so often, which meant that things started to feel more repetitive. The Undisputed Year had been kicking tires for a while at that point, and the women's division was okay, but it wasn't... I don't remember it being anything really, you know, grabbing me by the throat and making me sit down and have to watch the segment. So I checked out and I still read the results every week and I still like know names on paper, but I haven't watched NXT proper in years. And I only watched WWE one time a year. That's for the Royal Rumble. So for months, for a year or two now, I've been reading about Tiffany Stratton, Ivy Nile, Kiana James, Thea Hale. I've read these names. I know basically what's going on with their stories, but I've never seen them wrestle. And I couldn't put a face to a name. If you showed me photos of these women and said which one is which, could not tell you. But in honor of Canadian Thanksgiving, in honor of everybody saying how great the women have been on NXT lately, how it's such a women-heavy show, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to myself if I didn't take a little trip down to NXT. So that is my project for this week. It was October 3rd, 2023. It was an episode of NXT. We opened with a recap package of No Mercy there. Um, I don't know if it was a pay-per-view or if like, it was a branded weekly show. Like I said, I don't follow. But they had No Mercy. Becky Lynch is your NXT Women's Champion. It took her nine years. But she did it. She's the champ. We opened the show with Becky Lynch. She brought back the NBEXT thing that they did back in 2014. It's cringe then, it's cringe now, but good on her. Becky opens the show. She talks about how she's here. She's a fighting wrestler, but she is not medically cleared to compete. And I guess she'll just she'll take that. I don't know. Times have changed. You know, like Stone Cold. Like if they said like you're not medically cleared to compete, he'd give everybody the double fingers, and he'd still just like go out there and stun her a bunch of people anyway. Becky seems more willing to follow the rules. It's, it's fine. It is what it is. So she says she can't compete. And then she's just kind of talking about like, but she will compete in the future. How long Havoc is coming up. She wants to defend the title there. But whom, whom could she be defending against? And then she's interrupted by fellow Irish wrestler, Lyra Valkyria, formerly known as Aoife Valkyrie in Pro Wrestling Eve. And for that reason alone, I stand, Lyra Valkyria. Anybody from Pro Wrestling Eve automatically gets my stamp of approval, and I'm there in their corner. I love Lyra. And so I was like kind of stunned to see her, to hear her get so much mic time here. It wasn't that she came out and said a couple of things in response. She They gave her a long promo segment against the top woman in the entire company. That's huge. She comes out, she tells this story about how uh, she watched Becky wrestle for the first time 
on NXT in 2014 and seen an Irish wrestler in NXT made her realize that it's possible that you can dream that big, you can make it someday. And there's probably some validity, there's probably some truth to that because I know that people like the Iconics and people like Dakota Kai have said seen Emma wrestle on WWE was a real like, oh my God, an Australian woman in WWE. It's possible. And Lyra says the same thing here. She says, you inspired me. I, that showed me that things can do it. Ireland loves you. And uh, I want to know what it'd be like to stand against you in the ring. Great. Perfect. Classic WWE formula. And of course, classic WWE formula. They should be interrupted at this point by uh, one of the top heels on the brand. But no, I'm not sure who the top heels are on the brand other than Tiffany Stratton. But instead, we get Indy Hartwell, Raw superstar Indy Hartwell, making a surprise appearance on NXT instead. Indy comes out and she says, and it's unclear to me, a casual drop interviewer, whether or not she's meant to be a babyface or a heel, but she says, I never lost the title. I had to drop it because I got drafted to Raw, which again, doesn't like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense because if, if she had to drop, if she had to vacate the title because she got drafted to Raw, why was Raw wrestler Becky Lynch allowed to come down to NXT and win the title? How is that? How are those scenarios any different? You know? Either way, like a Raw superstar was holding the NXT title. And in Indy's case, they said that's not allowed. That's too like, blurry into the lines. We want gendered, not gendered, we want uh, sequestered divisions here. But in Becky's case, they said, like, oh, it's okay because you're Becky Lynch. We want, you to give the, we want you to give the ratings a little bump down here. I don't know. Indy says I never lost the title. So now you're thinking, mm, okay, I guess we're doing a singles match here, one-on-one. Winner gets to face Becky at Halloween Havoc. And then Roxanne Perez comes out. Our love, Roxanne Perez, former guest of this show. She comes out the full sale. Is it still full sale? I don't know. The Florida crowd, they boo her for some reason. I don't, I, it's Florida. I'll take that as a stamp of approval. If Florida thinks that you're a bad person for some reason, then you are clearly the top babyface in the world because Florida has horrible judgment, as we all know. Ignoring the crowd, Roxanne comes out and says, I was a champion once. I would like to be champion again. Um, that's basically the gist of her, her promo. So we've got these three people now. We've got uh, Irish fangirl, Vera. We've got Never Lost the Title, Indy. And we've got former champ, I'd like to be champ again, Roxanne. And I guess that's it. No, none of the other women in the locker room apparently are interested in the title because nobody else comes out at this point. Nobody else comes out and says, like, let's make this a fatal four-way. I also want this, you know, uh, Core Jade could have came out, I guess, and said, like, Roxanne, I've beat you plenty of times. So if you're in this match, I want to be in this match. No, we're good. Just those three. Fair enough. So they come out and Becky at this point, like, you know, she's been WWE 10 years. She knows how this goes. She's uh, She goes into full William Regal mode and says, all right, triple threat tonight. Winner gets to face me at Halloween Havoc. Presumably and not in a stipulation gimmick match, which is interesting because usually Halloween Havoc, they have like a trick or street fight or something spooky like that. But I guess because they just did a gimmick weapons match at No Mercy, they don't want to do that again. That's too repetitive. So I guess it's just going to be a straight one-on-one match, which is still fun. I am going to pause here. I haven't watched the rest of the show yet, so I'm going to pause here. I'm thinking, you know, WWE Formula, I would tell you that Lyra Valkyria is going to win because she's the one who came out first. She's the one who had the more substance to her promo. And also, A, that'll be a hell of a match. And B, Lyra's kind of spooky, I guess, right? I don't know if they're still doing that in NXT, but I know at one point she was having, like, like her entrance involved rain and fog and she's not a witch, but she had like spooky, witchy qualities to her uh, entrance. So her and Becky on a Halloween show, that makes more sense. Like it's not going to be, why would it be Indy? Why do, you know, they're both on Raw. If they want to do that, the match is doing on Raw, right? Yeah. I'm going to assume it's going to be Lear. I'll find out in like uh, 20 minutes once I fast forward through some of these men's matches. Hi, this is Don Hallowell, and I'm coming to you from Dayton, Ohio. 
E, where I just saw the first ever Wrestling Revolver Women's Grand Prix tournament, which was amazing. Um, the winner of that tournament was Billy Starks, and um, she had some great matches in there. Her first match was against um, Rachel Armstrong, who has been absolutely killing it um, recently. She had a match on Friday against um, Misa Kate at Warrior Wrestling, and then um, she killed it in this match. She had a um, she was in the scramble match at the evening show for Revolver. Um, she was the only woman in um, that four way scramble, and she was absolutely impressive. She is um, I think only a year and a half, two years in, and she is the master of the four fifty. And she is um, going to be, well, she already is an incredible wrestler. She's just going to skyrocket even more. Also in that tournament, we had um, the incredible Vert Vixen, um, Trisha Dora, Janai Kai, um, Emmy Sakamura, who, you know, I know she's a legend, but she was like so much fun just to see up close with the way that she interacts with the fans and stuff like that. You know, just, you know, so, so fun to watch. So um, my match of the, um, of the tournament was definitely Billy against Trish. Um, I thought that was um, just absolutely incredible match um both of them are you know two of the best wrestlers in the world i did that on today which is sunday and then um on saturday we went to um enjoy wrestling which was amazing as always i think some of our um great matches from that show were dark chic against um um shooter and then Erica against Ziggy, who are like two of my absolute favorites. So, you know, they killed it. And then um, Edith defended her title against Killer Kelly, um, which Killer Kelly, she absolutely impressed me this weekend too. Um, you know, not only in that match, but also over here um, in Revolver where, um, you know, she just, she's an incredible wrestler, can do anything in the ring, but also, just has like that quirky personality that you know makes it like is she cool is she crazy you know what's going on in there so um absolutely fell in love with killer kelly this weekend so um what else i've been up to uh every week um typically monday or tuesday depending on when i can get it out um on pwponderings.com we go. I go over all the um, women's wrestling results from the past week, late well, in the indie wrestling. Um, so um, anything that I can watch, anything that I can get results on, I'll put it in there. And then any announcements that were made for future matches, or um, you know any news that I come across, I put in there too to kind of you know keep everyone up to um, date on what's going on in women's wrestling. So that's at pwponderings.com. And, um, you know, just hope to be doing more with great inventors. So. Okay, we get a video package on the women's breakout tournament. We see glimpses of the women involved. We get to hear like a line or two from each of them. More on that later, I assume. We get some men's segments. We get a little quick video recap of Indy Hartwell's NXT highlights, mostly uh, her marriage with uh, Dexter Loomis. I guess she is being positioned as a babyface here as well. So it's a three-way babyface match with the winner facing babyface Becky Lynch on Halloween. Interesting choice. Match is good. You know, none of these women are by any stretch of the imagination, bad wrestlers. So they can go out there, they can have a good match. It's WWE formula, triple threat, you know. Um, nobody's on the offense or the defense for particularly long. It's just a lot of these two throw some moves. This person hits a suicide dive. This person hits a flip or some sort of kick. Person one rolls to inside. Person two and three fight for a minute or two. Then person one returns. Person one and two fight for a little bit. While three takes a powder inside. You know the formula if you've watched WWE for any number of years, and I watched WWE for 35 years, so I'm well acquainted with the formula. In the end, 
Roxanne hits her finishing move on Indy, but before she can get the pin, Kiana James shows up in this brown pantsuit sort of look, pulls Roxy from inside, and takes her out. Becky doesn't like this. Becky's been sitting on commentary, FYI. So she gets up, she plants Kiana with a kick, and they're both down. And then it's Lyra Valkyria. Apparently it's Lyra, not Lyra. Like I said, I had never heard these names before this week. I've read them many times, but I've only read them. I haven't heard them. I assumed it was Lyra, like Lyric, but apparently it's Lyra. Lyra goes to the top rope, hits a top rope splash for the pin on Indy. Not a particularly like exciting or like a devastating finishing move, although I guess it's kind of fun that people like Lyra, people like MJF are bringing back like the simpler moves and getting over like a clothesline and things like that. That's the logical reversal from, you know, the heights of hitting 640s and things like that is you got to kind of scale it back again and take us back to our traditional roots. So Lyra, top rope splash, and she pins Indy Hartwell for the win. She advances to Halloween Havoc just like we expected. I guess the notable thing here would be that she pinned a Raw superstar. Now she's facing a Raw superstar, so she's already got that. I think that's maybe the idea of why Indy was in this match as opposed to one of the lower card heels on the NXT roster. Lyra and Becky. That'd be a fun one for sure. She's definitely not winning. Becky's retaining 100%. And oh, and then uh, Tegan Knox, apparently. I could not pick her out of the lineup. Tegan Knox walks out on the stage, and the commentators are quick to say, Oh, before you go fantasy booking Lyra versus Becky, it's going to be Becky versus Tegan on Raw on Monday. Obviously, Tegan's not winning that either. Let's be real. I guess, so I guess that's the idea. The idea of this reign is this just. Becky defending against all the European women that she likes. You know, I'll take on the Welsh woman, I'll take on the Irish woman. And honestly, if there was anybody on the roster right now that I think might actually pin Becky to win the title, it would be the UK's own Blair Davenport. She seems like the she should be the top heel, uh, either before or behind Tiffany. And yeah, if there's anybody who can like, physically match up with Becky and look to be on the same level as her because the women in this match look fairly small and I don't hold that against them. They can put on great matches. But visually, and WWE is first and foremost a visual company. Visually, it'd be Becky and the former B Priestley, I'd imagine. My fear with all of this is that it just turns into another situation like when Charlotte won the title a couple years ago because Charlotte beat Rhea, won the title, defended it for a couple of months, and then lost it in a three-way match where she wasn't involved in the finish. And that's the cheapest, most bullshit WWE booking that they do. Because, oh, we can't, can't have anybody pin Charlotte and, like, it would hurt her too much to get pinned by an NXT developmental wrestler. So we'll put her in this match, and then one of the other women will pin one of the other women, and then it bolts off Charlotte and she can leave, and the title's back in NXT. And so it's like, okay, so she just came down and just, like, just put herself over a bunch of these different women and then didn't give anybody the rub on her way out. And that's my fear for Becky Lynch because Becky is as big, maybe bigger than Charlotte. So the idea of any woman in NXT pinning Becky seems unlikely. That's my fear is that it's just going to be three way or four way X pins Y while Becky watches from ringside and then Becky leaves and she's back on the main roster for the rubble. I can't see her holding the title past December. Unless they, yeah, unless maybe she does carry it right the way, all the way to the Rumble and all the way to WrestleMania. And Becky defends the NXT title at WrestleMania because they know that she's not factoring into either of the Raw or SmackDown women's title pictures. And they still want her to have a big match on the show. We've seen AEW do this all the time. We want these guys to have a big match on the show, but there's no room for them in the AEW title picture. So we're just slap an ROH belt on them and have the ROH title defended here for some reason when it normally would not be. That's a possibility, I guess. Those are the scenarios going through my head. She drops the title in December in some sort of multi-person match, or she defends it until WrestleMania and loses it to Jade Cargill or Blair Davenport, someone like that. Yeah, there's not too many. I don't... Or she loses in some sort of fluky fashion, you know, in November or December, where 
She starts a feud with a Raw superstar and they show up on NXT and they screw her in the same way Kiana screwed Roxy in this match, you know. They show up and they hit her from behind with a chair and then Blair gets the pin and Becky's protected because she didn't actually lose-lose to the NXT rookie. It's hard for me to get excited about main roster talent holding developmental title because I don't have faith that anybody in NXT is really going to get like a rub of pinning the champ. They get to rub shoulders with them, literally. I guess that's something. I guess Lyra gets something out of this and she will help me in half it. She gets a match on her resume, which sounds cool. I guess that's all you can ask for at this point. This is M. Fear. Recording from my kitchen in Pittsburgh, PA, following a fabulous weekend at Enjoy Wrestling this past Saturday. Man, I just gotta say, like, every time Enjoy rolls around, it's like a little holiday. You know, people come to town, there's little friend reunions, I get to see people I don't normally get to see, make a whole afternoon of it. We have pre-show hangs at Harold's Haunt, and then the show itself, which is always just like a big Christmas present, no matter what season it happens in. So six matches, all of them bangers, all killer, no filler, every event with its own specific type of flavor. Like I'm so excited. It's hard to talk about enjoy wrestling after these events happen because we know that they would prefer us not to talk about spoilers. So I'm going to try and stay as spoiler free as possible in discussing my enthusiasm for killing in the name of, but it's hard because some of the things that happen in the show are so special and in the moment and were so exciting to experience when they happened. And I'm not even sure what kind of is public record and what's not because there were some replacements made. There were some add-ins. There were things here and there that I'm not sure if it was a substitution so it counts as a spoiler if I talk about it or if I can feel free to talk about it because it's a public record thing. But I will say just to hedge my bets, I'll be a little cautious when I say that the opening six-way match, the the three-on-three runway with Ray Lynn versus Paris Sahara and a tag team, uh, you will see me uh, likely or hear me at least somewhat on the broadcast when it airs on YouTube or Remix. You will know what you are hearing is me and my unfettered excitement at the reveal of who ends up being Paris's tag team for that match just a little clue. They are one of my absolute favorite tag teams on the independence. Uh, I talk about them a lot. I get very excited. We have talked to at least one of them on this show. We have covered matches featuring both of them and uh, both has a tag and singles. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, you have not been listening to Grit and Glitter and you have not been talking to me enough. And most of our listeners know me in some ways. You probably have figured it out. I am fortunate that my lovely companion for the evening who had never been to wrestling is uh, very gracious and was not at all alarmed by the completely insane noises I was making at that entrance. Kudos to them. Thanks to them for being such a supportive and good sport and seemingly having a great time. That's one of the things I keep walking away with when it comes to enjoy wrestling. And one of our listeners or occasional listeners, Tim out there, who always uh, comments some, some really interesting things on things I post in connection with grit and glitter and wrestling. Tim posed a series of questions regarding enjoys general like schedule and how it builds an audience, fails to build an audience, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to summarize it completely right now, but I'll say this. Two things about Enjoy Wrestling. Would I like it if Enjoy ran more often if it were feasible for them to do so? Yeah, maybe. I mean, who doesn't want more cake? Who doesn't want more of a thing that they love? But also it does make it special that it only happens a couple times a year. And for somebody like myself who has a lot of different schedules to balance and who does treat these shows kind of like a personal holiday and takes a day for them and people come into town for these shows, there is something a little extra special about the fact that we only get three or four big shows a year. It means that I can set aside that time. I can mindfully put aside those enjoy wrestling days and I like being able to do that. You know, if it weren't for Enjoy Wrestling to have that, I would maybe do that for something else. But I like that it's Enjoy that I can put aside a day or two or three or four a year and dedicate solely to just that promotion, that wrestling, and that community. I think it's kind of nice. On the question of whether it builds an audience or not, 
Well, Enjoy Wrestling doesn't really rely solely on wrestling fans. There's a lot of people in that room who don't go to any other wrestling all year long, aside from Enjoy Wrestling shows. There's a lot of people in that audience who don't even watch wrestling at home. There's a lot of people who go to Enjoy Wrestling shows who never engage with wrestling or the wrestling fan community or wrestling journalism or or think about wrestling beyond just getting to go to those Enjoy shows periodically throughout their year. And that's perfectly fine. I think that it, it reaches a demographic that most wrestling promotions do not reach, which is, like, and, and consistently, non-wrestling fans. Sure, people who are non-fans will check out random promotions all the time. They'll be brought by family members of wrestlers. Maybe they're family members of wrestlers. Maybe they're friends of friends of friends. Maybe they're a new girlfriend. Like, lots of reasons why somebody who is not a wrestling fan may attend a wrestling show for the first time. But Enjoy has an active base of non-fans who consistently attend their shows. That's really cool. That's not something you can say for most wrestling promotions. A handful at most. And yeah, maybe they are building wrestling fans. The person that I brought to enjoy wrestling on Saturday night now is really interested in the world of wrestling kind of at large, but mainly through the lens of what enjoy wrestling has to offer. And I think that's really neat because they're getting a version of the wrestling community that really fits within where their comforts lie, where their interests lie, where their aesthetic interests lie, and their sense of community. So I don't know. I did not really answer your question, Tim, but just to kind of extrapolate upon a point, I don't know that the like sporadic nature of the shows and it's what you clarify as a niche of a niche audience is really accurate at all. I think, I think for enjoy the tendency to only run occasionally to run only a few times a year really heightens the excitement I think it allows for the talent to work actively elsewhere in a consistent basis. I think it means that they can, on occasion, bring in really exciting out-of-town talent to, ha- to augment the really exciting talent that, that is on almost all the shows or has been a part of the promotion since the beginning. And it allows them to run in a venue that most other wrestling companies really don't get to emulate in their own venues. Not to say anything wrong about a gym or a VFW hall or a backyard or wherever, but... Enjoy has picked their aesthetic. They have picked their presentation model. They have picked the way they want to look and feel and be. And if they have to, for whatever reasons, take months between shows in order to have that blend in place for the next show, then kudos to them. Also, these are real people. They have real lives outside of wrestling. This is not their primary job for almost any of them. So if life intervenes, family responsibilities and any other responsibilities intervene, then who, who, who are we to say, like, no, that's not fair. Give us more. We demand it now. You burn people out that way. And uh, I'm not interested in burning Enjoy Wrestling out. Even if I have to be patient, patient, patient little person, even if I have to be a, a patient little child and wait until spring of 2024, I will do so because I'm committed to coming back. I'm committed to having my Enjoy Wrestling holidays, and I cannot wait until the next show when I can bring more people with me to be wowed by that product as well. Speaking of Blair Davenport, she's out for a match. She's been feuding with the former Priscilla Kelly, Gigi Dolan, for a while, I guess, but this is their first singles match against each other. Gigi jumps Blair during her entrance because there's a bunch of uh, dry ice and smoke machines going and she doesn't see her. It's the only thing that would hide that bright, bright orange Sailor Moon hair. Gigi jumps her. They go back and forth. Good match, as you'd expect from these two indie veterans. In the end, their hatred of each other trumps winning a wrestling match. Blair goes for a chair. Gigi goes for a chair. It comes in the ring. The referee, now keep in mind, the referees are developmental talent as well. So that's the only excuse I can give as to why this guy decided to like get in between them and physically grab the chair and try to pull it away from them because that's not your job, buddy, okay? Your job is to stand there, watch what happens, and if one of them hits, then you call for the bell and you say, hey, it's a disqualification. But you don't be grabbing chairs and pulling them away. And this is another one of these things WWE likes to do where I would be quite surprised if he would have done the same thing during Braun Breaker versus Baron Corbin or any other match with men. 
you know, but because it's two women with a chair right away, he's like, mm, I better interrupt this. I better get this chair out of the picture because these delicate beauties might hurt each other. And it's like, yeah, that's what they're trying to do, buddy. Okay. You're not a wrestler. You couldn't cut it. Stand aside, let them do their thing. So because of his nonsense, because of him overstepping his bounds, Gigi is able to roll up Blair for the pin. It's roll up pin. WWE has established to us that, uh, it's like a B plus win. It's not an A. You know, a roll up win, it's a win in the record books, sure, but uh, it's not a decisive victory. It's not enough to prove that you're the better person. It just means like, hey, I got a win on this night and it's kind of embarrassing for you. And yeah, Blair was embarrassed. So much so that she grabbed the referee by the face and she smushed his face and she pushed him into the corner. I thought she would hit him with the chair, but no, this is a uh, PG era. So the feud must continue. Blair yells at her even and says, we're not done or something to that effect. The feud will continue. Presumably to Halloween Havoc, presumably in some sort of gimmick match there. A chairs match, a uh, trick or street fight. Priscilla was made for that sort of thing. She loves all that spooky horror stuff. I'd assume that's the blow off there. And as I said earlier, I would assume that Blair goes over because she would, you'd have to think, be the bigger project going forward, especially with how babyface heavy the top of the roster is. You want Blair to win. You want to build her up to either face Becky in some sort of three-way dance or in a singles match on an NXT PLE. Backstage, Mackenzie Mitchell is with Kiana James. Kiana apparently agreed to do an interview, but then took a phone call knowing that the interview was about to start. That's just like unprofessional on her part. They, the show wasn't live. I guess they would have done a retake, but whatever. She gets off the phone, basically wrestling 101. She's salty because Roxy is a bigger name than her. Roxy won the breakout tournament. She didn't. Roxy's take title reign is talked about more than her brief take title reign. That's it. She's just jealous that like people like Roxanne more than her. And rather than change her own personality in such a way that people would like her, she's going to hire Asuka to come down to NXT and fight Roxy next week. I So many questions. I Now, again, I haven't been watching... WWE regularly in many, many years. I never thought of Asuka as the kind of person who would just get paid off. Like you could just go up to crazy lunatic Asuka and say like, hey, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks if you come wrestle somebody for me and like beat them up a bit. That doesn't seem like something Asuka would be into. Like she doesn't seem like the type to be like, yes, thank you. I'll take that money and I'll use it to buy more graphic design software. She's a graphic designer, FRI. Um, doesn't seem like some like something Oscar would do. Maybe she paid off, but then we don't know for sure she was on the phone with Oscar. Maybe she was on the phone with Shawn Michaels, the GM. Maybe she paid off Shawn. She said, like, I'll donate a bunch of money to a, your local Bible study group if you can, you know, get Oscar booked against Roxy next week. And Shawn was like, sure, sounds sounds good. I have no ethics. I'm a noted Shawn Michaels hater, in case you, uh, in case you didn't notice um but i mean i said at the start of this episode that i'm canadian so put two and two together yeah screw that guy i don't know regardless oscar roxanne perez next week on nxt if they give him the time it'll be a good match won't be a pay-per-view quality match it's tv but it'll be a good tv match roxanne 200 percent won't win oscar never lost in nxt ever in her entire career she only had one match that she didn't win that was a double disqualification, no contest slowed out between her and Nikki Cross. That was it. That's the only blemish on her record is that one no contest ending. Otherwise, uh, she won every single match and she's going to win next week with or without Kiana's help. But that'd be fun for Roxy. Good for her. Wow. We interviewed her a couple of years ago. We told her like, yeah, in two years, you're going to be wrestling Kana on network television. Uh, I think it probably would have made her day. Then she would have had to go to geography class. Oof. What a day. Hey, it's Mayday, the uh, Impact correspondent of Grit and Glitter. Uh, I haven't actually reported on Impact in a while, but I have been watching it. 
Masha and Killer Kelly, MK Ultra, have become the Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Not sure if that had happened since the last time I checked in, but I'm very excited for them, mostly because they are selling a t-shirt that I designed. Something I designed is on the Impact website. You can buy it. I do not get any money from it, but it's still cool. I got paid for the initial design, but I don't get any royalties. Still cool. Beyond that, I am currently upside down on this video editing thing for the CFU promotion that I run. Um, the premiere is October 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, so I'm a little under the gun at the moment. Currently on hour, I don't know, 50-ish across the last three days trying to get this edit out the door. Depending on when this episode premieres, uh, either tune in or I hope you did tune in. Either way, it's free. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on youtube.com slash at combatfightultd. You do need the at symbol. I don't know why. YouTube is weird. You have to put the at symbol in the URL. It's very strange. YouTube is the only one that does that. Other than that, um, I've been killing time by making fun little GIFs and or short videos from uh, just big moves that transition into Mortal Kombat X-Ray videos. I don't remember how or... Oh, I know exactly how I started doing this. It was because of Fatal Kombat. Um, it was a couple of test runs... Uh, I enjoyed making them, people really seemed to like them, uh, and then I just kept making them, and now I'm not able to stop, someone please help me. Um, but they get a lot of traffic, people really do seem to enjoy them, and there's no rhyme or reason as to how or when I make them, it's just when I see a cool spot, usually on YouTube, sometimes IWTV, sometimes on Twitter, um, I think, hey, that'd be a cool x-ray, and I make it, and I publish it. There's no rhyme or reason. A couple people sent me clips, Junie Underwood sent me a clip, made an x-ray for him. Victor Benjamin sent me a clip, made an x-ray for him. Um, if you have a cool clip that you want made into an x-ray, send it to me. I'll probably make it into an x-ray. It's what I do at work instead of working. What? Did I say that out loud? Uh, in other news, High Tension Wrestling, High Tension Network recently did uh, our super show, which was a combination of all the different brands slash promotions under the High Tension Network, which included uh, High Tension, go figure, Orochi, Smash Master, and yes, Combat Fights Unlimited. We had a showcase match of Adina Steele versus Harleen Lopez, contested under CFU rules, so that was kind of fun. Uh, it was just kind of a fun mishmash super show, sampler, platter, whatever you want to call it. Let the crowd kind of know what the different promotions are all about and how we operate. Um, I was pretty proud of our little match. I think the crowd kind of enjoyed it. It's definitely different. Um, it definitely stands out, which was the whole point. Um, I'm kind of excited to work with Smash Master some more. There's some, uh, there's some stuff in the works. I'm not allowed to say too much, but there's definitely stuff in the works with Smash Master specifically. Um, so, you know, stay tuned, spooky voice. Also, unrelated to CFU, shocking, I know, is uh, just me personally. I've been working on a lot of different shows. The most recent one was Fight Pro, F-I-G-H-T-T -T Pro. It stands for something. I don't remember what. Um, I know the G is for grapplers, but uh, each letter stands for a different one of their divisions. The only one I remember is G is for the grapplers division, because that's what they call their women's division. Um, I worked the sound and lighting for their most recent set of tapings, so if it looks and sounds great, I take full credit. If it looks and sounds like shit, I deny everything. But was, what was pretty cool about that was it was almost it was done as a favor to uh, Ernie, the guy that runs Fight Pro. But this was their first time running in this particular building. It's the new Super Crazy building, and the guy that owns the building said hey, those lights look really freaking cool. Can you do other promotions? Can you like, can you come work for us, too? And I said, yeah, probably. Um, so that should be fun. I'm still waiting to hear back from him on that. But Super Crazy has a bunch of stuff lined up, so hopefully they give me a call. You know, it's free money to set up some lights and hit a switch. A big step up from our initial, what I've been calling the lost tapings, where those literally those same set of lights uh, looked so much like shit that the footage was unusable. Like, it ruined the shutter speed, it ruined the white balance, we could not use that footage. And trust me, I tried. I even was trying to run it through AI. It did not work. The lighting was terrible. So it's good to know that it was human error. The exact same lights now look amazing. It's just a matter of knowing how to use the equipment you've got. That's what she said. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's what I have been up to. Um, I'm gonna get back to this video edit because there is miles to go before I sleep. Almost literally. Pray for me.
part third of Women's Match of the Night is the opening contest in the 2023 Breakout Tournament. This is where they take a bunch of people who um, haven't been on TV at all or haven't been on TV much and they battle it out in a single elimination tournament and the winner, I guess, probably gets a title shot or at the very least gets bragging rights like they've been saying about Roxanne Perez. It just it tells you that WWE sees this woman, whoever wins, as like a future star and a top name. It's just a non-kayfabe way of like telling you like she's somebody to watch. The competitors in this tournament, interesting batch. There's nobody here with like big indie credibility like Roxanne Perez, like Carmelo Hayes, past breakout winners. Most of these women never wrestled outside of WWE or if they did, it was very briefly. Ariana Grace I'm familiar with because she's from Toronto. Watched uh, her wrestle here a bunch of times at her dad's gym. Carmen Petrovich, apparently also from Toronto. I've never heard of her. That's because she's not a wrestler. She never wrestled before WWE. She's from Toronto by way of Bosnia and Herzegovina. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if like Rusa being from Bulgaria, they make a big deal out of that. Down the line, the first WWE superstar ever from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Doesn't roll off the tongue, but it's something for sure. I didn't I forgot that country existed. Our grouping here is a mix. Yeah, we've got people like Carmen, people like Jada Parker, who have never appeared on NXT TV before. Then you have people like Jakar Jackson, who's been on TV like 22 episodes. That's a lot. She's like already featured prominently in the main faction. The most matches are going to Lola, Vice, Danny Palmer, and Ariana Grace. They've each wrestled five times on weekly NXT TV. Danny and Ariana have both already won matches on TV. Uh, Danny's won three, Ariana's won two in singles matches. So, yeah, it seems like they would be almost too established to be in this tournament. Like, we've already won a match on TV a while ago. Why are you in a tournament like this? And same could be said for Keelani Jordan. Keelani is one of the top names of the whole crew. She's appeared on 14 episodes. She's wrestled seven times. Going into this tournament, she's 2-2 two and two on TV. That's a better record than a lot of people. 2-2. Two and two. <laughs> That's like... And uh, sure enough, she wins the first match here. It's Keelani taking on Izzy Dame in Izzy's debut. If, like me, you've never seen either of these women wrestle before, they could not be more broad with uh, their character work. Keelani is in pink. She's smiling a lot. Izzy's in green and dark black. She's making many, many mean faces. Izzy does a lot of like uh, torture racks and like uh, those kind of like brute strength submissions. And Keelani does what I guess is this. So this is the thing with the NXT. Part of the NXT performance center problem with me with these people who have never wrestled before and are just trained solely by people at NXT is it's kind of factory, you know? I feel like every baby face on this show did a high cross body. I feel like they all do like the same kind of fiery comeback because this is all they know. They've only, they've all been trained by the same people. They've all wrestled in the same place and been told the same things. You don't get the variety of depth in your moveset and mannerisms that you would if uh, you wrestle a bunch of different places or if they did a thing. It'd be really cool if NXT treated their young lions the way New Japan did and start them off training in the performance center, get them where you want them to be, but then send them out for six months and have them go wrestle in reality wrestling or, you know, some of these smaller, um, is Evolve still a thing? You know, progress. Some of these promotions that you're like friends with and you trust, you send them there to get a little bit more seasoning before they make their NXT TV debut. But, you know, whatever. It's not Keelani's fault that uh, she was a little little boring in this match and a little just like wrestled just like everybody else on the show um i won't hold it against her three years from now maybe she'll be amazing she did win the match she will advance to the second round where presumably she'll lose to jakara jackson jackson seems like the favorite to win the whole tournament especially being that she has three heel stablemates who can be in her corner and at ringside to provide distractions and interference and Things like that. And also Babyface won last year, so he should probably win this year. Probably be uh, Miss Jackson picking up the win. I really assumed that would be it for the women's action on this show. That was three matches and a long opening talk segment. Reading ahead on Kelly's Pro Wrestling Torch Report, there's another women's match. Still to come. Four women's matches on the show. That's unreal. 
say what you will about like whether I'm invested in the characters or whether I think the action bell to bell is particularly exciting. Four women's matches is incredible. And honestly, that's the reason that I'm watching this episode. It's my first time watching in a couple of years, but I haven't watched AEW Dynamite in a couple, not a couple, in many months. Rampage in many, many months. Collision ever. Never watched an episode of Collision because it's one match. And you look at the match graphic, you know who's going to win right away. There's no intrigue, there's no excitement, and there's not going to be any sort of crazy post-match angle that gets you excited for what's coming up next week. NXT is doing those things at least, so I understand why people love this and are so invested. I can't say I'm going to be back next week, but we got one more match to sell me on maybe returning, at least for the PLE. Also, hey, it's Emma again, and Harley said that we can talk about whatever we want this week. So here you go, my imitation of Tony Storm's current gimmick on AEW, a gimmick that is finally unleashing the delightful weirdo that we all knew was lurking somewhere inside of Tony Storm. And this gimmick is absolutely being partially penned, at least pa- at least partially by RJ City, because come on, no one's going to make the kind of referential points in this gimmick like RJ City is ma- clearly a part of. Like this is, this is clear clearly has a hand in this. So here I go. Introducing you to Timeless M. Fear. I'm timeless! Our final women's match on NXT this week was take team action. Not for the women's take titles because those are apparently dead and gone. Instead, it was... This is a classic women being women, am I right? Fighting over clothes. Thea Hale, she has new clothes. She's she's a bad girl now. She's wearing black leather. She's a bad seed. And um, I guess Electra and Le Vice thought she was getting too too big for her britches. Something like that. This is what I was saying before. It's weird that you have Lola Vice in the breakout tournament and then she's here wrestling a tag match as well like it, if she's already on tv regularly wrestling take matches she shouldn't be in the breakout tournament she started broken out she started getting television time in prominent angles and matches i don't know anyway first we're backstage and we get this little scene with thea her new friend jc jane and her two gay dads are like mm, we don't like this new direction that you're going in now that you're a teenager you are a bad girl you were doing the marijuana we saw you texting boys. We don't approve. And JC is like, no, it's it's cool. You guys can come hang out at ringside during a match, and you'll you'll see that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going for here. It's very, it's very full house. It's very Danny and Joey being like Stephanie. We don't want you hanging out with Gia because she's a bad girl and she shoplifted one time and she was rude to an old lady. I, I uh, this is not for me. So we go to the ring, we got our match, and I guess it's heel versus heel, right? Because we got Thea, who has turned her back on her supportive gay dads to hang out with noted heel, JC Jane, and they're taking on these other two, like, bitchy heels as well. And sure enough, the crowd seems split. Like, we get dueling, let's go Thea, let's go Lola chance in the middle of the match. But on commentary, Vic Joseph only acknowledges the let's go Thea chance. He totally no-sells. The Let's Go Lola chants, which are just as loud. So I guess that's commentary's way of telling us that we're supposed to still be rooting for Thea as a baby face, despite her, like, bratty behavior and bad attitude. I don't know. I don't know how to read all this. And you'd think that um, we'd be furthering the story here by having Andre and Duke at ringside and somehow they cost Thea the match again because they're being overly protective or concerned or... They get into some sort of argument with J.C. Jane, something to that effect. No, they just stand at ringside, and Thea and J.C. pick up the clean win. And it's a weird finish, too, because, like, Thea takes, and then she walks in, she just jumps onto the opponent, and then puts a Kimura lock on them, and they tap. There's no, like, there's no scuffle first. There's no fighting on the mat, and then she manages to get her into the Kimura. She literally just, like, walks over to her, jumps into her arms, and then puts her arm behind her back, and that's it. Very, very weird 
match, weird story, weird angle. I don't know where any of this is going, but that's not my business because honestly, this was an okay watch, but I'm not going to watch it next year every week. I'm sorry, folks. If you're enjoying it, if you're loving it, good on you. I don't have two hours to commit to any wrestling show per week if I'm being complete, forthright, and honest. Also, I work like one to nine every night, so I'm never home to watch any of these things live. By the time it happens the next day, most of the big stuff has been spoiled by Twitter, so it's not as exciting to tune in and see what's going to happen. Maybe I'll step in for Halloween Havoc or the War Games pay-per-view. There's a chance, you know, if they continue to keep people that I do like, like Lyra and Roxy near the top of the card, if Stevie Turner and Wendy Chu come back, definitely that is incentive for me to tune in. If the show remains dominated by people like JC Jane, and if it's, you know, three months from now, the main matches are featuring Izzy Dame and Carmen Petrovich, I'm probably not going to tune in. But they're, they got 800,000 plus people who will. So that's good for them. Not everything is for everybody. And just because NXT in the year 2023 is not for me, does not mean that I'm judging or criticizing you for liking it because God knows there's a lot of stuff I love that you probably think is cheesy and corny and dorky. More on that next week here on Bread and Butter. Ooh, 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 ooh.